So it comes to us from Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 7 and continuing through Romans chapter 8, verse 4. Hear the word of God. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang into life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment, put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I not, cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of law of sin at work within the me my members. What a wretched man that I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be the God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And he condemned sin in the sinful man in order that righteousness require, righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, so have you heard of St. Augustine before? 
sure a lot of people have. If you haven't, he lived about 1,700 years ago, roughly. I, I don't know exactly. But he tells a story about a forbidden pear tree, okay? He was told, he and his friends were always told, do not pick pears from this tree. So what did they do? They went and picked pears from that tree. Of course they did. And when they picked these pears, it wasn't because they were hungry or because they didn't have pears. He had a pear tree in his own yard. They did it because they were forbidden. They did it because they were forbidden. Have you ever seen a sign that says, wet paint, do not touch? I got a really red finger one time because it really was wet. It's just so tempting, isn't it? Galveston, Texas is a small island peninsula. I'm not sure which it is. Um, just off the coast in the Gulf of Mexico. And there's a hotel that's kind of like on the inner part of it. And it's a very popular fishing spot. And the hotel, the hotel one day put up a sign that says, do not fish from balconies. And people were fishing like crazy from the balconies. Even though they saw the signs, it was very, you couldn't deny it. But when they took those signs down, guess what happened? The fishing stopped. Does that make sense? Does that make sense at all? You see, what we read this morning is, if you ask me, one of the most confusing, one of the most difficult to understand passages in the Bible. Because Paul's like this and this. He's back and forth. And I can almost see him saying, oh, my goodness, I'm just, my head's spinning. The very thing I don't want to do is what I do. And the very thing I know I shouldn't do, well, I do it anyway. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. How are we to survive? Well, and I've preached on this passage before. It's been a few years. But I've learned a whole lot about myself and about this passage and about us since then. So that's where this message comes from. So Paul is clearly struggling, but also trying to explain. Now, because he's struggling, some people say, oh, Paul was a very weak Christian at this time. Now, if you study history, he was pretty far along in his walk with God at this time. He didn't fall away. He knew what he was talking about. So we're just going to throw that argument right out, right away. He knew what he was talking about. He actually was starting to really get it about how sin works in our lives. But before we go further, I want to ask a question. Have you ever felt like, I know this is wrong, but I really want to do it? Have you ever struggled with that? Every day? If you say yes, congratulations. You have the Spirit within you. If you said no, then ask God why you said no. Because if you struggle like that, that is the war that is going on in your mind between your flesh and the Spirit that has been born again inside of you. Because if your spirit is dead inside of you, you're not going to care. Because the kingdom of God does not come by sight. Is what the Bible tells us. The kingdom of God comes as a spiritual thing. And none of us, with these two eyes that we have, or these two ears, can hear 
or see anything spiritual. We see and hear spiritually with our spirit, only if it is alive in Christ Jesus. If it's dead, you're not going to care. Because there are so many places in the Bible, like for one, says the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are alive, it is the glory of God. It's foolish to think that a man dying on a cross can save the world if you don't know God. And we at one time would have said, that is foolishness. But when the Spirit of God came into us and woke us up and made us alive, we now, we may not fully understand, but we understand, yeah, there's something to that. Maybe I need to know a little bit more, but I'm not totally rejecting it. Okay? So I'm trying to set the foundation here to show you that you may not fully understand what we just read this morning, but if it kind of stirs up a conflict in you, and I can relate to that, I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway, then listen up, because your spirit is alive. This, honestly, is like trying to teach calculus to a baby. Have you ever tried to teach calculus to a baby? Have you tried to teach calculus to anyone? Have you ever tried to learn calculus? Okay, short side tangent. My very, very first college class ever, first day of college, way back in August of 1988, I go into class at 8 a.m. It's calculus. The very first thing the professor says, calculus is easy. No, it's not. I ended up not doing very well in that class and had to take it again. But anyway, it's not easy. So, how do we make what we read this morning easy? As Pastor Ian used to say, sermon in a sentence. Here's your sermon in a sentence. God will show you. It's that simple. God will show you. Do not try to figure this out on your own. Do not try to do anything on your own. God will show you. That's what Paul's trying to say here. He is the one who will teach us about sin, who will bring us out of sin, who will save us from sin. He does it all. We do nothing for ourselves. Now, some of you may be saying, well, you know, I can learn a lot on my own. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, sure. I didn't say you couldn't learn it. I'm saying don't try to do it on your own. I'm saying let God be your guide when you're trying to understand why we struggle with sin. So, years ago, I've told this story before, but there's a lot of new people. I'm driving through Powhatan Point. Powhatan Point is down the river from us, and anybody in this area knows, what's the speed limit in Powhatan Point? Somebody say it. 35. What happens if you go 36? You're getting pulled over. Okay, that's just what everybody knows about Powhatan Point. So I used to drive through Powhatan Point for years. I worked at Ormet. And every day I would slow down to 35. I wouldn't go 36. And I'd go through Powhatan Point, no problem. Well, one day I'm going off of Route 7 onto, I think it's 149. And I'm going towards a coal mine out that way because the company I was working for was a consulting firm and we were doing some work for this coal mine. Forgot that I was in Powhatan Point. 
until I saw the cop sitting on the side of the road on this side. On this side, I'm driving right by a speed limit 35 sign. You know what I did? I pulled over. He didn't even have to come behind me. I just simply pulled over. He didn't even turn the lights on. He just kind of pulled in behind me. He's laughing as he walks up. He goes, thank you for pulling over. I was going to pull you over. I said, well, I know you were. <laughs> I broke the law. But how did I know? How did I know to do that? There's a sign that said, Phil, you're breaking the law. The speed limit is 35. I was doing 55. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, but when I sent, it, sent in the payment for the ticket, I put in this little thing that a friend of mine used to do. He would take business cards and he would put sayings on them. And I said, please give this to the officer who wrote me this ticket. said, if you meet me and forget me, you've lost nothing. If you meet Jesus and forget him, you've lost everything. I don't know if he ever got it or not, or if they just laughed at it and threw it in the trash. I don't know. But anyway, it was that speed limit sign that told me, you're breaking the law. It was the word of people who live in this area that told me, don't go faster than 35 through Powhatan. Okay? For all these reasons, I knew what the law was. But I did it anyway. Not because I wanted to, because I just wasn't paying attention. And the foot got a little bit heavy that day, and I think it was about $120 later. This was in the early 2000s, probably $300 now. But anyway, I see a few heads nodding. Has somebody gotten a ticket in Powhatan recently? <laughs> anyway, the law told me that it was wrong. So what Paul's saying is, if I didn't know that the law said, do not be jealous of anything, is it in our nature to be jealous? Have you ever been jealous? Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever, heaven forbid, stolen something? Oh, it was just a small little eraser. I don't care. Have you ever done any, broken any of the Ten Commandments, let alone the other 627 commandments that go along with it? Not all of them apply today, but there's 637 commandments in the Bible. Have you broken any of them? Sure. How did you know you did? Because it's written down. So why'd you do it? Did you want to? Did you just not know what you were doing? The devil made me do it? No. We can't blame the devil for everything. Because see what happens is we have within us this sinful nature. We're not going to debate or talk about how we got it, where it came from, or anything like that. But we have it. And we can't deny it. And we can't do anything to get it out of us. Just as much as there is blood running through my veins and oxygen from the air here coming into my lungs, says, same with all of you. We can't do anything to stop it. We don't make it happen. It's automatic. There's something in us called sin that just makes us sin. There's nothing we can do. So that's why Paul starts saying, you know, I know that the law, who my friends are saying is going to save us, it's the very thing that shows us that we're sinners, and I want them to understand that that's not going to save you. So he's going back and forth, and he's trying to understand this. He's trying to get us to understand this. And finally he says, who's going to save me from this body of death? Because this body with the sin in it, even though my spirit is very much alive, my body's going to die. 
It has an expiration date. And he said, who's going to save me from it? Because if my body dies and my spirit needs a place to go, my soul needs a place to go. He says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love how he says this. That He says it just not only in Romans 7, but in 1 Corinthians 5, that he who was without sin was made to be sin for us. You see, Jesus, he didn't have sin within him. But Phil, he was a human being. Yes, he was. He had, he had blood in his veins. He had air in his lungs. He had hair that grew. He had skin. He had a heart, a stomach, lungs. He had it all. He was 100% human. But he was also 100% God. And in that humanness, he didn't have sin. He was free from sin. But God said, I want you to be the sin for them. And that's why when we read things in John, many of us are reading the book of John right now. And right now, you've already read, if you're, if you're on track, you've read how he got away because my time has not yet come. How many times has he said that already? My time has not yet come. He goes to the festival, the Feast of Booths, Sukkot, and he hides because he knows the Pharisees want to kill him. And that's October. He doesn't die until April. So i got to make sure they don't get me six months early. Because his time had not yet come. He knew what he had to do. And that was to willingly die on a cross. How does a cross make us free? How does it? Well, you know what? If you're trying to think of that right now, just in your human mind, you're not going to get the answer. Paul said, you're not going to figure this out. Remember what I said when we started? Don't try to figure this out. But if we go to God, God, how does the... Oh, oh. And you start to get these thoughts running through your mind the minute you ask God. Okay, so it was a sacrifice. It was, he didn't deserve to die. And we start to understand how the cross saves us. But not by our own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We start to understand it by the spirit that is in us. And you see, the spirit that is in us is a teacher, it's a counselor, it's a comforter, is many things. He is many things to us that we can't be for ourselves, and no one can be for us. Find comfort in a spouse, in a friend, in a child, in a pet, sure. But you're not going to find the comfort, the counseling, the knowledge that God can give you. So only by this sacrifice of Christ can we be saved. And then he goes on to say, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. That means none at all. Zero, zip, zilch. There's no condemnation. Stop condemning yourself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because his sacrifice was enough to take care of the problem of sin 
that is in us. We back up from Romans 7 to Romans 6. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life through Jesus Christ. It's, it's over. He took care of it. So now, not only do we no longer need to struggle, but we now have to come to the point where we realize when we do struggle, when we do sin, there's no condemnation. And I love how Paul says, says it in other places. Shall, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? May it never be. Because we died to it. We died to it. And because of what Jesus did that we couldn't do, because it was him, because it was God, and because we're starting to get some understanding of it, we can now go in this world living, knowing, believing that if something were to happen to us tonight, we'd be going to heaven, no matter what. You could die in the very act of the worst sin you've ever done in your life. You'd go to heaven because there is no condemnation, none for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what do we do with this knowledge we now have? We have to be careful because this comes to us not from our own understanding, our own knowledge, but comes from God. And it doesn't come from what someone else tells us. But you're telling us, yeah, I am. But what I'm asking you to do, when I say something or anybody tells you anything, take it to God. And ask him, is what this person said to me, is it true? Do, do I believe that? And you know, you might not get the answer right away, but keep asking God. You'll know. You will know, you will know, you will know, just as much as you know who you are, you will know if what that person told you is to be taken seriously or not. And there's more. If we can only trust what God says, now God will speak through other people, so that's why I say take it to God. I, don't just discount every single person and what they say, but take what they say to God and see if it's real. Because that person may tell you four out of five times the truth, and one time they might be wrong. Not because they're trying to mislead you, just because they're human and they make mistakes too. So take everything to God. Don't take my words just because I'm standing up here. Take what I'm saying to you today, take it to God, see if it's real. Because I've made mistakes in the past, and I'm bound to make them again. But there's one more thing we've got to remember. We can't do this alone. You see, we read things like this and we get all excited. There's no condemnation. We are free from sin. And you know what we do? We step onto that treadmill and we just keep going and walking. Yeah, look at me. I'm going. We're going nowhere. We're on a treadmill. What I'm talking about is trying to perform because you got all this knowledge. I know who God is. I'm free. And now I'm going to go out and save the world. Um, you forgot someone. Oh, he hasn't left you. You just got in front of him. Turn around. Oh, hey, God, you're right here all the time. No matter how far you think you got away from God, turn around, he's right there. You just got in front of him. He's not going to leave you. And he's not walking on that treadmill with you either. 
So what I'm saying is a lot of times we get this great knowledge of, and understanding and we try to perform. We try to manufacture. We try to be something that God never intended us to be. You know why? You know the answer. What's doing it? Sin. It's still in us. It's still in us, and it's still affecting us. And until we every single day, every moment of our lives, give it all to God, and even then, it's still in us. And we're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to perform on our own. And we're still going to fall flat on our face. What do we do then? You know that circle that Cole had? No beginning, no end. A circle. You ever feel like you're running in a circle? Because we live on a circle. Our lives are a circle. We're constantly doing well, we fall back. Do well, fall back. But what one thing that never, ever changes is that we have God with us. You know, amazing thing about the earth, it's a circle, but as it's traveling through space, it's constant. It's a constant... We go maybe like 150 miles per second through space or something like that. Maybe, maybe that it's 150,000. I can't remember. It's 150-something. Whatever it is, 150,000 miles through space or whatever, do you feel like you're going 150,000 miles? No, because it's constant. God never changes. So when we give it to him, he sees us through. But when we try to take that, I'm in control. Man, I have really made it well in my life right now. I'm feeling great. Look at me, everybody. Oh, you know, don't look at me. I don't want to be prideful. I'm still doing pretty good. Hey, how you doing? If, if I'm in front of God, I'm going to fail. It's just a matter of time. But the minute I say, God, I'm about to do this. I feel like you're telling me to do this, so I'm going to do this. Oh, wait a minute. That's obedience, isn't it? Well, yes, because God told you to do it. When God tells you to do it and you do it, you're not going to fail. You are not going to fail. Listen to me. When God tells you to do it and you do it, you won't fail. Others may say you failed. You may tell yourself you failed. And you know what? Even if it looks like you failed, the fact that you did what God told you to do, you already haven't failed. But I didn't accomplish the task. I don't care. If you did what God told you to do, you have not failed. You have not failed. You can't fail when you follow what God tells you to do. You simply cannot fail. That's what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying. Who's going to save me from this body of death? Only Jesus. Because you know what? The minute you try to do it, okay, God told me to do this. Here I go. Oh, wait a minute. If you're going without God... Guess what takes over? It looks for that opportunity to take over and drive you into the ground. That's what sin does. So do you want to live a life without sin? Live it with God. That should have been the sermon in a sentence. You want to live a life without sin? Live it with God. We've got to be careful. It's too easy to get in front of him. But you'll never get away from him. You can step in front of him, but he's right there, right behind you, every step of the way. Because he knows that someday you're going to turn back, and he knows that he's going to help you. But he's waiting for you to say, I made a mistake. Here I am. Because he wants 
to help us. He is not doing that because he wants to zap you dead. He's doing that because he loves you and he wants you to see that sin within you isn't going to get you anywhere. But the spirit that lives within you will get you beyond everywhere. Trust the spirit of God in all that you do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are so incredible, so much beyond words, just amazing in what you do, and just, Lord, we can't even begin to describe. So when, the, when we do get in front of you, just tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, turn around, here I am, and let us find you again. And let us know, Father, that there are going to be times when we do get in front of you, because that's what sin does. So let us go forth this day, Lord, knowing and trusting that you're there. You're always there. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.